0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast coming to you on Wednesday, February 15th, the same day the Pistons will be taking on the Dallas Mavericks as the last game before the All-Star break. I want to quickly thank everyone for continuing to support and listen to this podcast. We've been getting some great feedback on the last few episodes. And if you want to continue, you can always subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And also rate the podcast on iTunes. It's a great way for us to boost our popularity and our notoriety on iTunes as we continue to grow this fan base for the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. And also make sure you're checking out DetroitBadBoys.com, the SB Nation site and home for this podcast. The content recently has been fantastic. The high-low articles after every game is a must-read for me, and I think it would be for a lot of Pistons fans. Definitely something to check out. And if you're looking for old episodes of the podcast, you can find archived episodes, the full archive, at blogtalkradio.com slash DetroitBadBoys. Thanks, everyone. You're going to love this one. We've got a special guest on this episode, Keith Elliott. Comes from the music world. He'll talk a bit about his background, but he drops some knowledge about the team he loves, the Detroit Pistons. Ben and I have a full conversation with Keith talking about some of the issues facing this team right now, good and bad. We talk about Reggie Jackson. Andre Drummond and his expectations after the All-Star break. We talk about Stan Van Gundy and the job he's done and if he should be happy with the roster that he's put together. A lot to cover on this episode. I know you're going to love it. It's time to go to work. Very excited to talk some basketball after a Pistons win and a historic win. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but I want to start with some introductions because we have a new guest on the podcast, and that's Keith Elliott. How are you, sir? Let the audience know who you are and where you come from.
1: What's up, fellas? Nah, thanks for having me on. Uh, from the music world, man, from the entertainment world, um, I have a couple national radio projects. Um, I do a national radio show every day with Sir Mix a lot. Um, from the music side, I do music management, I have a clothing line, you know, just kind of Jack of all trades on the entertainment side and, you know, huge sports fan and, you know, communicated with you you guys both for a while. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, of course. And a Pistons fan. Is that right? Huge Pistons fan. And uh, not to rub salt in the wound, but uh, also in Atlanta. Don't do it. 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 We're not talking about that yet. We're not We're not ready to go there yet. Too soon. <laughs> not too soon. Too soon. It'll be a couple of years of too soon <laughs> after that uh, Super Bowl. Uh, man. Yep, I don't. I, yeah, not not yet, guys. Not ready for it yet. Well, good news for all of us. The Pistons
0: tonight, one hundred two, one hundred one against the Raptors. They outscore the Raptors by seventeen points in the fourth quarter. Uh, I said a historic win. Ben hit us with a stat of how historic this exactly was for the Pistons.
2: Yeah, shout out to ESPN. This came across my Twitter feed, and uh, really pretty shocking, right? So Pistons rally from sixteen down entering the fourth quarter. And that's the largest deficit they've ever overcome since moving to Detroit in 1957-58 NBA season. So, yeah, literally a historic win for the Detroit Pistons, and and we got to watch it. So pretty cool when that happens.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and this was uh, a fourth-quarter effort that we haven't always seen out of the Pistons. Ben, I'll start with you with just kind of your major takeaways from this game and, and what factors led to the Pistons winning this game and having any position to come back when it looked like, all was lost heading into that fourth quarter.
2: Yeah. So I uh, was fortunate enough to catch Stan Van Gundy after the game, which I don't get to do a lot of because we've got a little three month old at home. (laughs) So I I don't, (laughs) I don't leave the TV on long, but um, he talked about how positive the coaching staff was at the end of the third quarter, which was surprising to me because I think SVG is pretty well known for being a, you know, maybe negative, maybe critical, whatever word you want to use. But quick huddle at the end of the third quarter they talked about how hard the team was playing and they chose to approach the coaching session they're going into the fourth quarter by focusing on that and uh you know did it work i I don't know i don't know if what coaches say work or not but but they won the game and i think they won the game because uh they persevered in the fourth quarter and uh you know a, a couple things really jump out about that fourth quarter to me first of all Um, Tobias and Ish, they, to me, were fantastic on offense. Tobias, in particular, uh, so smooth. And Toronto, just they don't have a good matchup for him. Uh, And he really exposed that in the fourth quarter. And then, uh, with respect to Ish Smith, sort of two things. First thing, kudos to Ish for playing well. Five of the last seven games have been wins. And he's been very instrumental in several of those. And then, second thing I'd say is, is kudos to SVG. I've been a little critical of him because at times I think he gets a little too stubborn and a little too locked in to a rotation pattern. And he's not pliable enough based on who's playing well in any given night. And over these last seven, I think he's been flexible. Uh, and, and Ish has closed out a number of games over the last seven. And it was obvious that he needed to close it out tonight because he was just playing well. He was having a good game. And that's not to take anything away from Reggie Jackson. His health is something that maybe we should talk about. Maybe he's not right. But uh, kudos to Ish and SVG. Uh, SVG stick with the guys who were, have been playing winning basketball. And, you know, that's what, that, in my opinion, is what led to that fourth quarter comeback. And, Keith,
0: what about you? What did you see in this game that you liked? And is there anything that you're still worried about with this team, even after
1: a win like the one we just had? I mean, I, I kind of echo what Ben said. I think the, the biggest thing about this win was the fight. You know, if you look at the, the numbers, there's really no business. The Pistons had no business winning this ball game. I mean, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. I mean, we took double their threes to get the same amount of three, to make the same amount of threes as they, as they did. You know, they, they didn't, we didn't shoot the ball really well. Um, but I think you saw in the fourth quarter, I mean, we had hustle point after hustle point after hustle point. It was something where, you know, they just refused to give up. You know, we got down, I think we turned the ball over with four and a half minutes left. And that was kind of one of those things where other games in the past, kind of what Ben was just saying, you know, you'll, you'll kind of see, okay, this is where it's going to turn. This is where it's going to get away from us. But, you know, they fought and, you know, um, I felt like Ish played really under control. Um, you know, I, I saw Stan's post game, uh, comments as well. And I kind of laughed at the, at his, um, comments on KCP. You know, the guy's never scared. You know, he took 12 threes tonight, made two of them and yet he has no problem pulling the trigger. And, you know, I think that's something that's, that's, that's really cool. And, and, you know, it's not talked about enough. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think the fight, I think that's been something that, that has been missing from this team too frequently this year. And, um, you know, I think that that's something they had tonight that I feel like that's a game we won just off of out hustling Toronto at the end there. Yeah, definitely. I ended that
0: game, ending the game with ish and having that outlet pass to KCP the way he sees the floor. I know he's getting a lot of love right now on Twitter and it's being, you know, masked by how much hate reggie jackson's getting <laughs> right now through social media and ben you and i talked about this a little bit right before the podcast started right before we started the recording um has the fan base started to turn on reggie jackson i want to get both of your guys' opinion on on what you hear from pistons fans and what you see is it time to move on do,
2: do you feel like fans are ready to move on from reggie yeah it's such a hard question um you know, all of us are Fairweather fans to a degree, right? We're all influenced by what's happening right now, what you've done for me lately, and so on, right? I mean, we're, we're all that way. Uh, and I'm not the biggest Reggie Jackson fan out there, and a lot of people know that about me. Um, I don't think Reggie Jackson is a worse player than Ish Smith. I don't think Ish Smith is a better player than Reggie Jackson. I think Thinking back to when we first acquired Reggie, there was that nasty losing streak. And then things started to click. And and I think the NBA noted that because Andre Drummond is such a force that people around the NBA pay attention to him. And and I think the Andre Drummond-Reggie Jackson pick and roll has simply not been nearly as effective this season as it's been in previous seasons. Some of that might be due to Reggie's health. Some of that might be due to schemes. Some of it might be due to Andre Drummond. I, I'm not sure he dives to the Bastic as as consistently and as hard as he did when he wasn't getting a lot of post looks. But I, I think that colors the way we're viewing Reggie right now. I, I think Reggie is a fine player. I don't know if, if he's the point guard of the future, and I don't think Ish Smith is a better player than him. But I think there's something about uh, the the way Ish navigates the offense off the dribble that's different from the way than Reggie does. It's it's not so contingent on the pick and roll. And defenses aren't... It's more like... Um, it's more ad-lib, right? So it's not a set pick and roll every time down the floor. And so defenses can't just lock up and expect that. So, you know, is it time to move on? I don't think it's time to move on because I, I really do wonder if Reggie's not healthy. Um, but I do think... It's appropriate for the organization to be thinking about, is Reggie Jackson the point guard of now or the point guard of the future? And that question is an open question, and I don't think Reggie, to my satisfaction, has proven he's the point guard of the future just yet. Uh, I I do think that if the Pistons are going to have a chance to make the playoffs this year— Ben Gundy's going to have to do more of that flexible coaching where he rides the hot hand. Sometimes maybe it's Lure. Sometimes maybe it's Morris. Sometimes it's Stanley like it was tonight. He was big in the second half defensively. And, you know, that might result in some of Reggie minute, Reggie's minutes going down. But, you know, as we talked about during the trade podcast, it's hard to make trade work for the Pistons right now. So I think they should be open to the question, but I don't think they need to rush it either because, you It's not clear that Reggie's healthy and it's not clear that trading him for someone makes the team better now or later.
0: Keith, what about you as a fan? Are you ready to move on from Reggie? And do you see the rest of the fan base ready to move on?
1: Um, You know, I kind of look at things a little differently than a lot of fans. A lot of times Um, I don't really do the emotional up and down. I mean, everybody does, but I try not to as much. Um, You know, I, I look at Reggie Jackson and I go, okay, major aspect of, our success last year, you know, I think he led the fourth quarter in scoring or he was near the top of that last year. Um, you know, he, I don't think he's right. He's not, he's not, he's not doing some of the same things that he was doing last year. I don't think I, you know, and Ben and I have had this discussion many times. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to, to talk the moving on talk. And, you know, if you, you bring up trades, I always will counter, you know, um, you know, skeptical. you know, ideas on trades with, well, what's the better option? Give me something better. Cause everybody can say, Hey, we should trade them and we should trade this or we should make this move or we should make this move. It's easier to complain. A lot of people like to complain and never give you a, a solution to that, com- you know, that complaint. So, um, from that aspect, you know, I would be patient with Reggie. Obviously, I think at this point, this team has turned into from playing one way and to, to echo kind of what Ben said, the pick and roll is not, um, you know, we're not having that type of impact we had last year it was nearly un- unstoppable last year. I mean, we went to the Cavaliers series and that was the main thing that everyone talked about, um, with reason, you know, and I think, um, you know, there's absolutely a couple different things that are playing into, to that, you know, not being, um, as impactful as last year. Um, but we've also transitioned to a team that under ish, we play a lot faster, you know, and then losing the first month of the year, you know, I think that doesn't get talked about enough. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the treadmill's going 10 miles per hour and you got to jump right on it. You know, I think a lot of times that's a lot more difficult to get in rhythm. And then when the team is used to playing faster, it's like, oh, we, we, we did this last year, but we haven't done this for five or six months. So I have to get used to this. And, you know, I, I think personally, a lot of this team, things on this team haven't been done the right way as far as playing style this year. But I think, um, with Reggie, I think, you know, I kind of agree with Ben. I think it's kind of going to be on stand to, go with a hot hand to an extent, you know, are we playing better under Ish? Like tonight it was obvious that we were playing better. Ish was very under control, you know, so I think that, I think that's the the play moving forward. I think we should kind of, you know, relax on the Reggie is, you know, is he, all these things and trying to come to, to specific, you know, conclusions, you know, when right now he doesn't, you know, he didn't miraculously turn into a much worse basketball player in, you know, seven, eight months. So I think we should, you know, kind of just see how it goes and, Um, You know, kind of go from there. Well, and like Reggie,
2: prior to these these handful of recent games, was looking really good. I mean, his individual numbers were fantastic there for... Duncan Smith on Twitter had a really good piece about this. And I don't remember if it was at Piston Power at 16 wins a ring. One of those two places about how good Reggie has been in terms of individual production after the first nine games, which you talked about jumping on a treadmill at 10 miles an hour. That's a, that's a good analogy. So it really does make me wonder if that, if it was an ankle tweak or a knee tweak a, a few games back, if he's just not right. He, he, Cause he, he does not look like the same player he
1: did a year ago. Yeah. I mean, you everyone... look, you, you look at, look at his attempts at the rim. I mean, he's nearly attempt. He's nearly attempting almost three shots less at the rim this year. You know, he's, the guy where that's he'll crazy. come off a screen and take a jump shot. Now that tells me he's not—he's a, a bit nervous to attack the rim. He wasn't nervous at all last year. Now, like Ben said, some of that could be, hey, Drummond's not rolling as hard. They're not paying attention as much to Drummond. There's there's a million different things that be, you know—the rest of the team is, can't shoot the three ball a lot of nights. You know, there's a lot of things that can play into that equation. But there's clearly something that's hesitant on Reggie. You watch him get hit by screens once in a while. He's a little slow to get up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's a tough kid, but he's, he, you know, you can tell sometimes with guys when you're like, okay, they're, they did this really good before and then they're not really trying to do this now. What's, you know, what's the issue, you know, I guess you should say. so.
2: Well, and two like ish. Yeah. He's been good over the last seven, but he had a handful of games there where he was absolutely terrible right. as well. So I think you're really, I think you're giving us some good perspective. You have to keep the long view in mind and that, hopefully tempers some of the overreaction.
1: Yeah. But, you know, a good friend of mine, Sean Rose, who's a football coach out here in South Florida, always likes to say fan is short for fanatic. Always remember that. (laughs) Yep, That's
0: right. And just gauging a few minutes on Twitter after a game is not always the best way to get the pulse of the fan base. (laughs) I I definitely appreciate (laughs) stepping back for a second and looking at this bigger picture, which I think at the moment has to include Reggie Jackson because when you see some of these names that are floated for point guards that are in the market, it doesn't get you that excited, especially when, Keith, you're right. This was a guy who led us into a series last year with Cleveland, and we happened to be in the same position this year and didn't have him for a full month of the season. So yeah. to be in the same position uh, but getting there in a different way, I think it's worth seeing how you know this continues to play out. And he has had some good moments. Uh, it just hasn't been as – It just hasn't been what it was last year. And I think that's tough for for fans, but we do have to keep in mind, this is someone, Ben, we talk about issues with fatigue and conditioning, but now there's that possibility he could be dealing with an injury as well. Is is there maybe the need right now for just a minute split at the point guard spot? Is that possibly a a solution?
2: Yeah, you know, and I would even take it one step further. If he's not healthy, then I would say rest him between now and the All-Star break and get him healthy because... You know, Ishan Benno proved to be surprisingly capable over the first 21 games. And I say surprisingly with a lot of emphasis. I was not expecting mm-hmm. Benno to have anything left in the tank whatsoever, and he was perfectly capable uh, in his role. So, you know, if it's the case that a minute split works for him and allows him to get healthy, then absolutely. But if it needs to be more severe, I mean, I'd lobby for that because, you know, it, Reggie was good last year. He was a good player, and he was a nightmare in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and he's just not that guy right now. And if injuries are the reason why, then I say let him get right, because you can use the all-star break in the days leading up to it. Um, and, and what do you have, like third, 20, 25, 30 games left after that? I forget the exact number. To make a push where, you know, right now, today they're in the playoffs. I don't think you're going to have a chance of doing anything interesting in the playoffs without a healthy Reggie Jackson.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I, the the bigger thing for me is, we're sitting here at twenty six and twenty nine, and you're going. I mean, there's been maybe a handful on one hand, possibly, of games when you're like, "Wow, we really played well in all, you know, on, on both sides of the ball." And we're sitting here, what, tied for seventh place, three and a half out of six. I mean, wow.
0: Yeah, and you look at the just looking at the picture of the eastern conference right now the pistons are one of the few teams besides the top half of the east that really are you know in in a good position everybody else seems to be falling around us whether it's charlotte losing 9 of their last 10 chicago and the the chemistry issues that they're, they're having that's definitely affecting the product on the court you've got new york and possibly trading carmelo anthony so all around us it seems things are crumbling milwaukee you can throw in there too with the injury problems so the pistons are seem to be one of the few teams that might be able to hold on to those those seeds at the bottom of the east. Uh Ben, I know we've talked about this before. Is that for this season to find ourselves six through eight in the East enough for you to give Stan Van Gundy more time with this team?
2: Oh absolutely. I I'm not particularly in love with some of the coaching decisions he's made, but in terms of the overall trajectory of the franchise, I mean, we're in such a dramatically better position now, you know, than we were when he took the helm. Um, I, I do, I do agree with you that you can't always check the pulse on Twitter, but what I do see on Twitter, especially, is a lot of frustration with SVG. I, I follow a bunch of the beat writers, and it's amazing to me how many people are constantly on the beat writers about, you know, it's time to move on from SVG. SVG is no good. He's a terrible coach, fire him, blah, blah, blah. You know, to me, um, that's not the case at all. I I still believe in Van Gundy. Um, I, I think Look at the Tobias trade. Fantastic trade. We got him for nothing. Reggie Jackson, a solid trade, even though he's underperforming this season. I don't love everything he's done with Andre Drummond, but Andre Drummond is still a force to be reckoned with. And and on down the line, the development of KCP is one example. Taking a dramatic step forward, I think... A lot of that has to do with the amount of confidence the coaching staff has had in him uh, and and constantly praising his effort and his defense, and and he's finally blossoming offensively. So to me, that's that's an easy no, I mean, or an easy yes. I don't remember what the question was. Either way, easy yes. Stick with SVG. He's taking us in the right direction, even if this year's a bit of a speed bump.
0: Yeah, and Keith, it kind of seems because SVG is someone to bring into this conversation about disappointment this season. Uh, and before we move on to anybody else, what about you? Where do you, where do you stand with SVG as the head coach president? Of this
1: team? Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would go even further than Ben. I mean, I love Stan. I think he's uh, you know, a top tier coach in, 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 the NBA right now. I think, um, you know what he's done in the short amount of time he's been here. Um, you know, it's tremendous. I mean, he, he took a team that was dysfunctional, a complete mess that fell all over themselves and, you know, was constructed horribly, and I mean, you know, we turned into a playoff team. Everybody, you know, everybody's gotten better. You know, um, uh, KCP becoming more consistent this year is 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 something that's a, a major a major thing. Um, the Tobias um, trade, as you know, Ben was just talking about. You know, I think everyone needs to calm down. You know, I think if, from the standpoint of any time in any sport, anything goes wrong, it's the fire the coach first. That's the, you know, like the, the firing coach mafia is what I like to call them. Uh, you know, so I, I think from that standpoint, we need to just kind of relax on that. Um, and, you know, I think like Ben said, you know, yes, heavy yes or heavy no, whatever, however it works out to the question. Yeah. So are you kind of in the
0: in the position that you're okay with where this team's at right now, would you make any major moves at the deadline? Or are you happy if this team stands pat and doesn't make any trades?
1: You know, I was actually talking to a friend about this recently because he asked me this, uh, you know, I think the one aspect I would, I would look at, obviously if you can upgrade talent and you can get something that, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about before with the trade, if you can upgrade, if you can move the needle, you know, you always have to look at a situation like that. Um, but I would just say shooting, really, because I just think this team – I mean, I you know, I think a lot of threes we get, a lot of shots from penetration, um, you know, that are threes, I think a lot of them are good. The guys just don't knock them down consistently, you know, and that goes for everybody from KCP all the way down. So, you know, you always want to look at shooting, but I don't necessarily think – you know, this is a team that won 44 games last year that played Cleveland better than arguably almost anybody else in the playoffs. Um you know, and we upgraded talent wise. We upgraded the roster in the, in the off season. Um, I'd let it kind of just marinate. You know, I, I, think, you know, Reggie said something in, in a post game, um, presser, you know, about, about three weeks ago where it was, you know, kind of this is the season from hell. You know, it kind of seems like a lot of times this year, oh man, it's, you just, you know, it's like, oh man, oh man, oh man, if this just worked <laughs> out or if this just worked out or if a ball went this way or, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we we're pretty close to being, you know, that quote unquote 50 win team, um, that people really kind of, you know, a lot of people looked at us being coming into the season, um, with a couple different things, you know, things going a little different. So I, I would kind of stand pat. Obviously, if you can get shooting, you know, that's something that obviously, you know, like Cleveland going and getting Corver, that's, that's a no brainer type deal. When you can get shooting like that, especially with a team, you know, like ours, uh, you know, you look at that, but otherwise, no, I'd, I'd just kind of stand pat and, um, you know, keep rolling and, and, you know. Yeah, Ben, what about you? Is there a move still to be made? Or are you okay if we just stand pat at the deadline?
2: No, I'm cool with standing pat. I think long-term, absolutely, there needs to be some moves made. We need a talent infusion. Um, I think shooting yeah. is one thing. I think, um, you know, if, if the goal is to win a championship, this this roster isn't good enough, right? Because if, if the roster was good enough, they'd be better than 26 and 29. Right. All right, all right, all right. Um, but... Yeah, like I think Marcus Morris, he's in my opinion, he remains like a sixth or seventh man on a on a strong playoff team. So I think whether that's Stanley Johnson emerging or somebody acquired via a trade or free agency, I think we need an upgrade at at small forward. I think we desperately need a backup shooting guard, uh three and D kind of player. Um and I think those two upgrades would go quite a long ways. But you know, we talked about this on the trade podcast. It's hard to make trades work right now. We have really friendly contracts. The good thing is you get production at a a good price. The hard thing is it's hard to bring back equivalent talent uh, via a trade. So, you know, one of the trades that I just happened to see as I was looking at Twitter after the game was Reggie Jackson for Drew Holiday straight up. And on a talent level, maybe that's a push, but Drew's on an expiring contract, and the Pistons are going to be capped out going into the summer, so that deal ultimately makes no sense, because you're left without a starting point guard, and I'd rather have Reggie Jackson, even the Reggie Jackson we've seen this year, than someone we can go out and get with that, the mid-level
1: exception. Yeah, and and that really is another example of, does that trade definitely make us better? No. Okay, so then that's... (laughs) Well, and it's not only that, it's that
2: you've lost your starting point guard going into the next season because you don't have any assets right. to replace the outgoing talent. So, yeah, I, I think stand, I like the word marinate. That's a really great word for, yeah. for, uh, I think they just have to be patient. This, this is not, this team's not going to go win a championship this year, no matter what happens. So there's no sense rushing and making it. No, worse and Realistically
1: process. at the end of the day, what is our average age of the start? Most of the starters. And I actually agree with you. You know, uh, um, regarding Mook Morris, you know, um, definitely a backup to, you know, there's there's pieces and obviously, you know, um you, we need to get – the roster can't be this and win a championship most likely. But, um, you know, we're really young. I think the guys are meshing. I think this has been kind of a year where it's kind of been, you know, a roller coaster to an extent. We're still sitting here again, three and a half out of the six seed. So, um, you know, we can really only go up from here. And, and it's been encouraging, like you guys have said, in the play in the last, you know, Last few games to where, you know, you're kind of like, okay they may be starting to figure this out. So. Yeah, right.
0: After losing, I think it was three in a row, we've won five of the last seven and now heading into the all star break in a good position, at least when you just talk about standings and what we're looking at. I think part of the problem, too, with just talking about any rental player for this season is this team realistically is looking at a series against Cleveland or Toronto and I'm not sure what a slight upgrade at any position for one year does for your outlook. I, I'm not sure it gets us into the second round of the playoffs. And if it's still one and done in the playoffs for the Pistons, I just don't see the point. Because if if you're possibly mortgaging the future and you're not getting much in the present, you can talk to the Brooklyn Nets about what that'll look like because it's just it, if it's not going to bring us a championship this year i'm not sure what good it
2: does
1: yeah i mean i think because, re, i think rental not to cut you off sorry i, I don't i think rentals no, a lot of times are you know if you're a contender are you a, are you a team that really is one piece away i don't feel like we're that you know and i and i think at the same time you know if you look at two through i know charlotte's played a little sketch you know they're one and nine in the last 10 but you look at realistically the miami heat including them in this conversation so you go one through nine is there, or two through nine rather, is there that huge of a difference? I understand Isaiah's playing great. I understand Boston's playing well. Washington's played well recently, but is there really, you know, I I don't think, I can't tell you for sure that a Pistons seed, Pistons as a seven or six seed couldn't beat a Boston or a Toronto or a Washington. I can't guarantee you that. I can guarantee they would not beat Cleveland, but can we really say that? And that's us right here sitting and going, a lot of things have went wrong this year. So what if a couple things go right? You know, so marinate, man. Marinate, guys. (laughs) That's the word. Well, this goes back to like what we talked about on the podcast at the
2: very start of the season. We learned Reggie was going to be out for 20 games. If the Pistons can get to the All-Star break within a game or two of 500 and they're fully healthy after the All-Star game, they're still going to have a shot at being – in the playoffs and potentially if they could get to like the sixth seed or something, potentially making some noise and and pulling an upset and crazy as it sounds to say, like the Pistons are not far from being in that position. Right. And Ben, what do you think about
0: our chances? If we're six or seven seed in the East, we haven't talked much about that, but it's starting to become a reality. When you look at just the Pacers and bulls ahead of us now, and actually tied with the bulls, uh, what do you give our chances? If we're looking at Washington, Boston, or Toronto
2: of those three, Boston is the scariest to me um, because I think their small lineup with Horford neutralizes some of our, our biggest strengths. I, I think that's a really tough cover for Andre Drummond. to gets him out away from the basket on defense. And, and we know that he struggles in those situations. So Boston with home court, I think is a, is a really tough out. Um, Toronto, man, the wheels are falling off. They started the season so strong, and I think they're probably better than they've been of late. But I think the Pistons have shown they can compete with Toronto. And, you know, I'm still not going to be a believer in Washington until they finish the season 10 games above 500. So I would like our chances. I think John Wall is a problem if Reggie Jackson isn't healthy because he is so dynamic with the basketball, especially in transition. But everywhere else, outside of that matchup, I think we match up pretty well. So I think uh, Washington, Toronto, Atlanta, all three of those teams, and, and to an extent Indiana, too, although they've given us some fits this year, I, I would give the edge to all of those teams, but it's not. I mean, it's 60-40, 70-30, and, and that's possible.
0: One of the other you know, disappointments we've talked about this season, um, now that we've covered SVG and Reggie, if we're looking at our our playoff outlook, we've got to talk about the person who's supposed to be the best player on the floor, and that's Andre Drummond. Uh, I know when we look at advanced stats, this is not someone who benefits from any sort of advanced statistics for the season Ben. <laughs> uh, what are we seeing anything better out of Andre lately? I mean, 10 and 18 tonight was great, but we see a lot of those double doubles and it, it still doesn't always translate to, you know, besides being nice to look at in the box score sometimes.
2: Yeah, so Andre to me is is such a bizarre season. Um, It's interesting, on Twitter tonight, um, prior to the comeback, I reached out to Arturo Galletti, who's worked with Dave Barry, and they've done a lot with box score analysis, and in my opinion, they have the best box score stuff going. And the question I asked him was, does his particular model account for opponent production? So in other words, you're not just looking at the box score of the individual player, you're looking at the box score of that player compared to the player he's matched up against and only when they're on the floor at the same time. Right. And he shared his, his data isn't public, but he shared, um, some of that data with me and Andre actually in his model actually looks pretty good, which absolutely shocked me. He looks better offensively than defensively. Um, but that, that doesn't match up with what i see. What i see is a kid who is totally lost in team defense. He manages to make some really spectacular defensive plays every once in a while, right? He he blocks a shot. I think he had a pretty spectacular block tonight in the first, I think it was the first half. But he gets lost, right? He he doesn't cover the pick and roll well. And then the other thing that jumps out at me is he'll have these dominant performances, but even when he has his 20 points and his 17 rebounds, a lot of times the opposing center is also having a field day right so it's it's the the deadman from san antonio or it's Valanchunas. Uh, you know these guys andre just isn't able to keep them off the glass in spite of racking up a bunch of his rebounds of his own or you know he scores 20 but he gives up 22 or something like that so um, you know I, I i still think he's a net positive but i think you know getting eaten up by jonas v tonight really getting his, his lunch handed to him by a nobody when, when he should be the most dominant big on the floor against San Antonio the other game. A, as a true Max player, he's got some work to do. He's got to get rid of these nights where he just doesn't show up and, and get completely and totally outworked in every part of the game.
0: And Keith, what about you? Your thoughts on Andre? Uh,
1: this is a topic I've discussed at Nauseam, so I think... Uh... Andre's, it comes down all the time. I say this with Andre. It comes down to effort on D, rim protection. Offensively, it comes to deep, proper position on catches, good interior passes from his teammates, proper offensive rebounding position. That is Andre to a T. I think that um, Andre's rapid um, improvement in his first couple years, especially offensively going from kind of a mess to an extent, first year guy that just caught lobs to being able to got, be a guy you could dump the ball down to. And he has a left and right jump hook. Um, I think that kind of, it put it, you know, we were going uphill so much that a season like this, that's kind of been eh, um, I think it kind of has people a little bit, Oh man, you know, and then you get the big contract and you add that in and you want to continue to see that, um that rise um I think I think it's been a lot about effort for Andre this year in my opinion um I think Andre like a lot of bigs is a guy that offensively you have to get him involved you know I I I use this example all the time um I don't know if you guys play basketball a lot but if you're on the court you got the old guy that's like the center my dad is this guy he's the guy that's the center you know he's gonna hustle for your rebounds you got to get him touches once in a while you get him touches he's gonna hustle for the rebounds a lot harder so I think a lot of times, and, and, um, shout out to Duncan Smith on Twitter, one of my favorite follow, follows on Twitter. Uh, I, I he and I were going back and forth a couple of weeks ago because I sent him a, 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 play where Andre had a high screen rolled, flashed the basket hard, sealed his guy, and we looked off him two times. Stuff like that is so, um, frustrating for that player. Um, you know, I'm a guy that's always played basketball in the post a lot of times. Um, so it, it's frustrating to, to get that, to work that hard to seal your defender and then you're, you're just completely looked off. So, you know, I think, I think, um, to be critical of Andre at this point, I, I agree with a lot of things that Ben just said. You know, I think the energy, you know, um, dead mouse or whatever the guy's name from San Antonio was the other night. There's no, there's no excuse. You can't get out hustled by a guy that nobody knows who, nobody's ever heard of before. You know, I think on the flip side of that, he has had good nights, um, you know the Sacramento game in Sacramento against the Marcus Cousins really sticks out to me. That that was a night when you're like, okay, this kid, if focused and if the energy is there every night, he can be in a defensive, you know, headache. You know, he he made things so difficult for for uh, Boogie Cousins, a guy that you know everybody likes to say, hey, this is probably the best big man in the game, um, you know, at the, at the center position. Um, so you know, I think with Andre, it's it's kind of a, a bunch of different things, but at the end of the day. Being, having that contract, being the leader of this team, being the guy that everybody's like, look, you're the franchise piece. Every night that energy needs to be there. We can't be dogging, you know, I'll see him cat ke- you know, get contact at the rim and, and kind of yell. And you always look, I always look at Stan, like Stan's always clapping his hands, get down, get down, let's get down there. And he's getting beat a lot of times down, down, down the floor, um, in transition. That's never acceptable. So the energy thing, never acceptable. But, you know, I think there's some other things that play into it. Um, you know, Rashid is a friend of mine, um, so I'm kind of biased in this area. But you know, I loved when Rashid was was um, you know on that bench, really in charge of coaching him. I, you know, I, I think he'd have those times where he's a 22 year old, 21 year old, and he'd kind of sulk, and then Rashid would kind of get in his ear, and you know, it kind of be like, hey, 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 come on, you're you're, you're still seven foot, you're still 275, you're still a monster. Get out there and be a monster. So, um, but the energy thing—that's really what it comes back to. To me, for Andre, you know, you just got to – every night, that that battery's got to be going, man. Well,
2: and I think your point about getting him some touches is good. I mean, thinking back to the going-to-work Pistons, they did that with Ben Wallace, right? I mean, they'd give him the ball at the first possession of every game to get him engaged. One of the things I haven't loved about the way they've done that with Drummond is just sort of unnecessary post attempts at the expense of better looks like the ones you just mentioned, where he does a great job of sealing his guy three from the basket and then they don't give it to him. I'd rather that they cash in on those opportunities than give him those three or four jump hooks from seven and a half to nine feet away that are just low percentage shots. So to me, I think your point is, I think your point is solid. I think getting him touches and involved in offense is gonna get him engaged in the other parts of the game for better or worse, that's just human nature. We're all like that. Anyone who's played basketball knows that I just wish they would do a better job of getting him those touches in positions where he's more likely to be successful than you know that nine nine foot sweeping hook that you know only goes in one out of three times
1: yeah, I mean you have to look at. At some of that being on Andre though, you know, getting proper position, you know, a stat that's yeah. a stat that I'll give you guys that, that clearly paints this. At the rim last year, or at the rim last year, nine and a half attempts at the rim. Uh, this year, six attempts at the rim. Last year, five to nine feet, uh, three attempts. This year, five and a half attempts. That's pro- that's not getting proper post position. So that's on Andre, period. And some of that is also him rolling to the basket, having a guy sealed, him playing him low, pushing him out a bit. So he's catching far. You know, Duncan mentioned this before when he and I were going back and forth on Twitter. Uh, you know, you're you seeing a lot of his shot, Drummond's hooks. You know, he's catching too far. He's rushing it. He's off balance. Whatever. So it's it's proper post position. That's it's so vital for big men. You know, Shaquille O'Neal said something a long time ago that's always stuck with me. You know, he kind of said, when you're a big guy, your job literally is to get a rebound, run as fast as you can to the other end of the floor, seal your guy as close to the basket as possible, get the get the touch. And you get an easy basket. You know, the it's 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 not difficult. That's why guys like Andre and guys like Greg Oden and guys like centers that come along, they're always taking number one because of that ability where it's like, look, you're just the biggest guy on the court and you're just going to bully everybody. So uh, some of that is Andre. You know, some of that is Andre getting proper post position, um, you know, and I think those stats kind of just scream that you know, mm-hmm. as clear as possible. So. And, Ben, how much of that do you put on –
0: that pick and roll action, and I know we've talked about not, not abandoning it, but is there something else we can do to get Andre those looks and to get him more quality looks throughout the game?
2: Yeah, I'm, I, I was literally thinking that same thing. So one thing that jumped out to me tonight in the first half, I think it was in the first quarter, in the first couple of possessions of the game, um, KCP came off a screen, it was kind of like a, a baseline screen that wrapped around and sort of traced the three-point arc. He caught the ball, dribbled across the free-throw line, sort of, um, not kind of on a diagonal to the basket and caught Dre was sort of a surprise alley-oop and the defense wasn't expecting it. And it reminded me of the Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace connection that sometimes happened in that same way, right? Where Rip was working the baseline screens and, you know, he, he cuts up the floor to get to the pass two guys chase him and he gets the lob over the top to, uh, Ben Wallace. I, I think it'd be interesting to explore, um, some of that similar action with guys other than Reggie Jackson, because teams are clearly zoned in on that. I don't think they're always expecting it, though, when a guy like KCP is coming off a screen. Um, I'd also be interested in seeing Tobias Harris as the ball handler in some screen roles. I don't think we've seen a ton of that this year like we did uh, last year. But those are some of the ways I would try to get him involved, things that aren't as predictable as, as the pick and roll.
1: Yeah, I agree with that a ton. That's, I 100% agree with that. You know, and you, you have to really speak, especially in Tobias at the step forward he's taken this year. Um, you know, we're at in the fourth quarter. A lot of times he's the guy that we're going to. So I absolutely agree with that. You know, I think, I think we can run it, the pick and roll shouldn't be just a Reggie Andre thing, especially as Stan has said, if teams are understanding, they're looking for certain things. And, you know, I think absolutely. And the rip Ben play is one of the best plays we used to run ever. So I love that kind of going back to something we talked about earlier with playing
0: the hot hand between ish and Reggie bringing Tobias into this. We've gone done something similar now with, with Tobias and John Lure. And this was a night where Tobias was clearly playing better. And we went to him much more than we didn't lure this, um, even having lure starting tonight. Um, I am starting to see those calls again to get Tobias back into the starting lineup. Ben, are you happy with his role still coming off the bench and being that main distributor with a second unit, or would you like to see him put back into the starting lineup instead of lure?
2: It doesn't matter to me. Um, I think whatever route they choose to go, I think Reggie and Tobias aren't clicking this year the way they clicked last year. So it's working for Tobias to, to keep him uh, with that second unit. Like he and Ish seem to have good chemistry together. Um, and, And I think Tobias is comfortable being the number one guy and so if that in order for that to happen he needs to be on the second unit I'm totally cool with that uh, and I think lure is a better fit next to Reggie and Andre than Tobias because lure I think can he hasn't hit the three nearly as well this year as he did last year but I don't think he's a guy who really needs the ball a lot to be effective he he's still gonna rebound he's still gonna spot up and give you space so to me that actually I, I wasn't huge on it when it first happened, but I've come to see that it was actually a really smart strategic decision because, you know, I think until you get Reggie and Tobias in training camp for a whole summer where they're really able to figure it out, it's going to be hard to do anything other than try to distribute the minutes the way they've done it
1: this year. Keith, are you happy with that distribution of minutes between lure and Harris right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the move with Tobias to the bench. You know, it was really just a, hey, you come off the bench and you score type thing. You know, whereas, you know, he had to facilitate and kind of play inside the offense more, you know, when he started, um, and I'm not a big starter coming off the bench guy. I think, you know, the guys that play at the end are always the best guys that are on the floor. So, you know, um, you're looking at Tobias, um, in the minutes, I mean, he's getting 30 plus minutes a night, you know, he's been, you know, um, phenomenal off the bench. So, you know, I think it's a great, it's a great spot and it's really worked well with him. And, you know, a lot of nights, I mean, how many nights can we say our bench has really picked us up and the starters come out, come out a little lackadaisical or, you know um and i think tobias you know has played well with ish and um you know so and i think john you know kind of what you guys were just saying i think john law is a guy that doesn't you know he kind of just plays in the offense and and you know that works really well with that <clears throat> excuse me with that with the couple creators that we do have in the in the starting lineup so uh, i'm a fan of the tobias move.
0: yeah i think it's a better fit for the player as well i think it's perfect for tobias and it's it still goes back to something Stan wants to see as well with Lure, which is having that plus rebounder in that position and having a, a spot-up shooter. It's something that is is supposed to be helpful in the way that offense is going to be run with the Jackson Drummond pick-and-roll still being the, the focal point of the offense. Yeah. Uh, looking forward a little bit now, we've got Milwaukee and Dallas before the All-Star break. I guess what do you want to see, Keith, out of these next couple of games going into the All Star break? You know, besides two wins, is there anything you want to see from this team uh, heading into the break?
1: You know, I just want to continue to see the, uh, you know, continue to see consistency, consistent energy, um, you know, consistent effort. I want, I want to see games like tonight. I, I think tonight, games like tonight, build character in a ball club more than blowout wins. Um, you know. A lot of times, you know, because I think this is a game where like we kind of talked about the when we talked about this game, um, you know, this is an energy game. So, you know, um, you look at look at these next two teams coming up and you go, OK, Dallas has played a lot better late lately. But, you know, these are two games we should win. You know, I, correct me if I'm wrong. They're both at the Palace. Correct. They're both home games. Bucks yeah. are away. Mavs well, Milwaukee's, a, Milwaukee's tomorrow night. Yeah, on the road. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you need to look at this like, you know, it's two and a half minutes in each quarter. You know, you got to close out quarter strong. So, you know, we're going to go into the break. Guys will get a rest. You know, guys will be able to chill out and, you know, bodies can heal. So, I think they need to really close these these um these two games strong. And, and I think tonight is a is a is a game that can that can really have guys feeling very confident. You know, moving forward after you get a big road win like this. Um, so I expect a lot of energy tomorrow night and, you know, um, it, it would be it would be outstanding if we can close this out, you know, in, both in the wing column. I think that would be great going into the All-Star break. Yeah, the possibility
0: of heading into the break, just a game below 500 with, you know, some of the stretches we've had this season, that would be fantastic to see. Ben, what do, what do you want to see in these next two? And specifically, you know, we've got second night of a back to back coming up against Milwaukee. What do you want to see in that game?
2: Well, Milwaukee's obviously vulnerable. They're not playing well. They just lost Jabari. Um, Dallas is close to all-out tank mode or maybe in all-out tank mode. Um, yeah, these are two games that you got to win. I mean, I think if—I wouldn't say Dallas is in all-out tank mode, but they might as well be. <laughs> these are two games you need to win. Um, getting one game under 500 would be a huge moral victory if there is such a thing, given— the roller coaster that this season has been and the Pistons are better than the Bucks and they're better than the Mavs and they need to be able to put those kinds of teams to weigh away in spite of the fact that it's a back to back.
0: It's also great too talking about just talking about Dallas for a second um, to have a team that at this point in the season has a coach talking about how Yogi Ferrell and Seth Curry are the backcourt that might lead this team into the playoffs. <laughs>
2: Hey, Seth Curry, though, like he was on he was on my my radar. So, you know, I, listen, he, I got
1: and he his last name is Curry. Do we really exactly, him? exactly?
2: <laughs>
0: right, right. We're really going to question this. Are we going to do this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and, da- and to Dallas, I, I all I'll say is I agree with you guys. Um, but seven and three in the last ten, so um you know they're playing good ball right now and you know it's all about when you catch a team you know you may catch a team when they're smoking hot and you go how Miami Heat you know I went to the game when they the Pistons played them here you couldn't name any of the starters on that team yeah but, gosh that game. but listen they listen they played they were in a hot streak we caught them at the wrong time and things happened. so you know I think it's energy man it's, it's coming out and kind of what Ben just said you know we're better team you know we're better than them but the Falcons were better than the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You saw it in
2: the <laughs> There it is. There it
1: is. Full circle.
2: <laughs> there you Full go. circle. There it's you it. go.
0: It's a perfect, perfect place to leave this podcast right there. Uh, Keith, before we go, let everybody know where they can get a hold of you on social media. Uh, and we definitely love to have you on again if we get the chance. Yeah, place. no,
1: I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a blast. You know, um, uh, it was good to connect. Um, you could you can follow me on Twitter at um envious without the zero, so or without the o. So E-N-V-I-U-S-023. Um, yeah, I just, you know, kind of, um, you know, talk ball with, with everybody on there and, and, um, yeah, you know, love conversing with Piston fans. So, you know, definitely try to follow me on there. And if you're, um, the mix lot shows in 30 cities nationwide. So, um, we're not in, on in Detroit, but hoping to be on the bounce out there soon. So when we get on out there, you know, it'll, it'll be a really cool thing. I'll play a bunch of Piston stuff on the air and, <laughs> you know, it's propaganda and, you know, I'll, I'll do the whole thing. So it would be great.
0: Love it. That's great. Uh, and Ben, we'll be talking to you soon. Uh, hopefully we see at least two wins before the next time we talk.
2: Hey, th- that would make me a very happy man. And Keith, Jordan, it was great talking to you. Keith, Echo, that it was great to have you on, man. I yeah. really appreciate a chat with you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. <laughs>